As I search for the white dove, I wonder if she searches for me. Or if my hopes of finding her are nothing more than an ill-conceived fantasy. You see... Salutations, mortals, and welcome to From the Jump. This is your host, Oaken, and today we have one of the craziest guests I'll ever have on the show. This man is an anomaly. I mean, I've known him for so long, it's crazy. But let me let him get at it first. Chooks, please let these people know, Becoming Full, what's good, my brother? How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I am doing well. How are you doing, my brother? Blessed. Blessed to have you on the show and blessed to see you, man. You know, it's, it's, it's been a while. Yeah, no, it has, it has. But due to the circumstances, under the circumstances, it's been a while for everybody, so. But it's good talking to you. <laughs> good, good. Um, please let these people know who you are and uh, what you do before I let them know exactly what's going on. Okay, um, well, you know, uh, my name is Chuthenia Mbula, sometimes known as, as you said, Becoming Phil, uh, as my artist name. Um, sometimes known as other other monikers, but currently uh, I am basically running a, a Bitcoin marketplace in Namibia amongst some other software development um, projects. But but yeah, Bitcoin trade is, is probably the main the main thing that I'm currently currently doing and, and interested in. Okay, but before we get to that one, because that's we go. We might just be here for long. So let's let's let, let's get the other things out the way. So in season one, I had Malkovich on. He was on chapter three mm-hmm. of season one, and we touched on how you guys came to um, start creating music together, and how that interaction yeah. actually just happened straight off of Twitter, and then a flight happened. Could you just tell us from your yeah. angle just a bit about that that crazy encounter that happened? Well, um, well, actually, that that was a, a, it was an encounter of. of of, of quite a few so so I, around the time um i was reaching out to a lot of artists internationally in the us in south africa in europe in asia um to do a couple of songs on uh, just on projects that I, I saw twitter as a around that time early twitter you know 2011 2012 um it was basically what it was now but it was it was smaller and it was easier to reach people and then and connect with people, and and so I was just connecting with a lot of a lot of different MCs and producers around the world, and and Malkovich, yeah, I connected, and and he just said, "Yo, let me let me fly down." <laughs> so you know, not not a lot of the other others, have, you know, had that kind of idea, but yeah, he did, and and, and we connected off there, so. Um, yeah, 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 and I mean, you guys, you guys created some of the. I mean, look, I was there because you were busy creating my beats at the same time. So, for a mixtape or album or whatever we want to call it, that still has not fully come out, but it's mm-hmm. it's, it's being used. Don't, don't don't worry about that. Don't let's not even get on that one. I see you moving back. Like you're gonna attack me. But to get into something else, speaking about Mark, um, music is one of your passions, which I mean, you you were you were part of one of the biggest um, hip hop groups in Namibia that that really 
and you guys were a lot of guys, which was another thing. Most people thought, you know, come on, there's no way you can recreate a thing where seven guys or six guys are together, um, all working and the egos are out of the way. But with Run Nams, you guys managed to literally do that for years on end and win awards and perform at jazz festivals. Um, what was that dynamic like? you know, starting off as friends and then working into being, you know, um, colleagues and business partners. Could you go into that a little bit? Um, I, I don't know. It, 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 yeah, it, most of it was pretty organic. It wasn't, you know, um, it was sort of like a, like a kind of a flash in the pan moment with everything, you know, that could come together right in that, um, in that sort of way actually did. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't that it was pre-planned or uh, some of us even, you know, I mean, I, I, at that point I had been in the, in the Namibian music industry for, for quite a while already. I had produced for quite a, a number of artists outside of the hip hop genre in Kwaito and so on. But, um, you know, we met, we hit it off like like I think I had met met Simon like a two years earlier. Gene also, you know, we we also hit some some of the cat. We we had it was really just we met in the studio, and you know, and it was rhymes hit and it was on. You know, we recorded songs and 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 yeah, it it blossomed from there. And as you mentioned, also egos blossomed from there. So, but but. But yeah, no, it was, it, no, it was, um, everything was just right place, right time sort of moment for that, for everything to happen under there. And yeah, I think it, 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 it progressed in the way, I guess, you know, in the way it was supposed to progress because that's how it progressed. But it, Everybody got a, a measure of growth out of it. You know, everybody. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, like everybody from that group went on to do some, some, some crazy stuff. Some are still in music. Some are producers. I mean, some started an entire. Wait, let, let's 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 speak about uh, the tech guys. Let's go into that. I mean, you've worked mm -hmm. with Mark Mushiva from uh, from Runams. You guys were together. Mm -hmm. Then when he came mm -hmm. over and we started Black Balkanite. You know, you guys were still doing music together and then you decided, you know what, let's start a technology mm. company. And mm. furthermore, you guys went, you, you took it a step further. You didn't, you you went and you, you you literally went to the hood, what we would see as or what people would call the hood or the ghetto or you know what I mean? And you took kids after school, told them, you know, you can learn, you can go somewhere with technology. Let me show you how. Taught them to code. Mm. You know, let's 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 please go into how that all started. How you guys went into helping kids from the hood beat kids from one of the most expensive private schools, you know, mm. in a competition. Like, oh, please go go into that for me. Well, um, so yeah, Mark also was we had met quite a while before Run Nams. Um, we had also recorded music before then and 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 continued to. Um, but yeah, we, our, b before music, I think um, with my, our interests aligned along technology, uh, science, science fiction, anime, um, closely. So, you know, we, 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 we would talk and hang around just, just, um, vibe off those aspects yeah, and yeah. yeah 
you know, 20, 2013, 2012, 2013, you know, those things came to a culmination. And I, I wanted to, to, to start a technology company, um, to, to aim for, for some moonshots, which, which we're still aiming for. Um, so that's basically a viable space economy in Namibia. Um, and, you know, we, we power out around, you know, what different ways, you know, you could approach things, um, given that, you know, everything also in, in the world was exposed around with SpaceX and Tesla right. and, and, and how new that was, um, in, in terms of, um, you know, where you thought, oh, you, you had to be this huge corporate government linked, whatever, um, you know, to do, you know, these, these, these sort of, um, um, really impactful, you know, um, uh, changes using technology and, and, uh, a, a lot of, a lot of different projects around that time, um, from, from Bitcoin to, you know, SpaceX, Tesla, um, you know, uh, what the, the whole startup craze and, and how yeah. that spread around the world, um, um, that gave us, you know, the, the idea. So, you know, let's, let's, let's start something here. And so, yeah, we started the tech guys, um, which is now called, um, Namibia computing technology. Uh, all right. All right uh, don't, but, don't worry. Um, I'm gonna throw that up there. They're going to know the name then changed. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we, yeah, we, we, we decided, um, you know, how do we bring Namibia into the, you know, into the startup, uh, the startup ecosystem, um, which at, at that point was really, you know, just in, in the West and, 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 and parts of the East. And uh, we, we joined um, forces with this group called Ampion. Okay. Um, these guys were a German, um, I think a German, well, European basically. They, they pulled a lot of startups together on a bus. Uh, basically drove through a bunch of European country. It, it actually started up as a startup bus. Um, I, I believe that started in San Francisco. It was a Facebook linked project. Um, a couple of projects. I know Instacart um, is one of the projects that came out of that, that startup bus San Francisco. And so these guys had copied it for, um, for Europe and, and Asia, and they brought, brought the first startup bus uh, down to Africa uh, under the moniker Ampion. And um, they drove through a bunch of, uh, they drove through Zambia, Zimbabwe, was it Zimbabwe, I think, Namibia, Botswana, South Africa. Um, I definitely know Zambia and Namibia way. I don't remember the exact number of, of, of Southern African countries. Um, yeah, but, but it was mainly Southern African countries they drove through. And we made sure that Namibia was part of that um, that, that first uh, startup bus. And so we, we got a couple of, um, you know, from, I think from NUST uh, to Fab Lab to um, SICE Namibia, um, we, we got a couple of different companies involved into, into this whole event and, and, and managed to throw that up in, I think that was in 20, 2014. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that, that started a lot of the buzz um, um, around the you know, startup talks and startup hubs and uh, around Namibia. So, so we wanted to get things percolating, and I think we 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 did. We, we most definitely. We, yeah, we definitely um, most um, definitely you know, got that got that objective hit off. And but you no, know, 
people always thought so uh, to 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 then continue to the to the uh, the pay program which is um so we had a, a coding academy at, at which still runs at, at physically active youth in katatura um and so that that was initially off the fact so we were thinking like okay so if if the if the aim at the end of the day is to create a viable space economy the biggest issue that you know besides infrastructure obviously in, in namibia um, is is the human resources and so um, what we thought is where do we inspire how do you inspire kids where do you inspire kids um uh, where are the biggest challenges and so obviously they're not at the private school so or you know um in some of the more more well-off areas so um we were first just very enamored with what physically or i myself was was very enamored with what physically active youth was doing in terms of taking uh, kids um after school yeah. um, giving them uh, feeding them giving them after school activities yeah. and putting them in, in in sports using sports as a as a sort of so a lot of these kids were were orphan kids or kids who who you know who did not have you know material and emotional support from parents because you yeah. know, people just weren't around whether they were dead or whether they were just not available and so they they had the, they posited that they could um just not replace but sort of augment a child's life and give them the same sort of family structure um that kids get at a family using sports uh, and team dynamics gotcha. and so they take kids basically the whole week from after school they have programs on saturday um uh, sometimes on sunday even uh, but it's an after school program that that that's been running i believe since early 2000 somewhere 2005 2006 somewhere and um started by mary jean dimbira and uh, a professor from unam something donovan i forget his full name um but yeah under this 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 hypo- hypothesis that you could better kids lives using um, sports and, and and after school activities and um, and they they've done a amazing i mean totally amazing job it's 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 amazing the the kind of kids that come out of there um, apparently the first uh numerous soccer captains uh pilots uh yeah. people in in the in, in the medical professions and uh, i mean just amazing kids who come from really uh, you know what oh, uh, i guess uh disadvantaged backgrounds and and but you know the through this this opportunity um have the the other opportunity to better themselves and 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 really make something out of themselves and really you, you know it's it's the first it's it, it, when i say you know it's it's very few places in namibia that you you can really see um mobility from class economic mobility from class to yeah, um, class to class gotcha. um and you know um and and that is one of the the places that that really showed me that it's it's possible within somebody's lifetime you know to mm. to go from you know really poor and and get to somewhere and pull yourselves up by the boots if you're just given the opportunity and and again you know some people take the opportunity some people don't um it, yeah. it is definitely a, a, a but g- giving the, these kids these opportunities um 
uh, has resulted in, in some really amazing results. I, I, I really, um, if you have time to volunteer or time to donate your time, which is the most important thing, I think, for these kids, uh, rather than just material. Obviously, material donations are always good. Uh, but if you have time to check these guys out, physically active youth, they're, they're, they're just an amazing place. And so we, we, we saw this, this place and we decided, um, you know, let's, let's start um, a, a coding academy here in the, in the hope sort of to, to do an experiment. Okay, you know, what kind of people would we need 10, 20 years down the line, uh, we're actually yeah. talking about the reality of a space economy. Mm -hmm. And um, so we decided to go there. And we, one of the biggest issues, uh, obviously around the time was was the the the, the disparity, or, or we we thought <laughs> we were then um, oh, well later uh, <laughs> reeducated, but we thought at the time that there was a large disparity with women uh, or girls in in computing so we had we started out the program and we aimed it for the first year or two um that was aimed exclusively at girls so we had we brought in girls and, and we taught uh from aged i think we had age uh, the youngest was maybe 10 10 from 10 to about 18 um so kids from different classes we just brought them from different grades we brought them all together and taught them basic things like um you know the binary system yeah. how basic components of computing work um, um you know we tried to, to augment the computing lab so they had a computing lab and we tried to just you know augment it get it a bit more organized and uh, um so yeah we got a, a couple of volunteers me and mark um uh, started it out uh, um, and um, then we got a couple of volunteers from from different places um, to always help out uh, uh, and yeah it, it sort of just grew into also organically again we, were, we weren't teachers so we, we we you know we used free resources open source resources on the internet um, yes, around great. teaching codes and um, uh, uh, and programming and basic computing uh, principles um, to kids, and we just you know threw threw them together in 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 a, in a sort of curriculum using the help of of, of some some of the pay teachers also, uh, and well again, uh, um, not everybody stayed with the with the program. I, we had I think more than maybe. 40 or 50 kids move throughout that program um, but some some of the kids really okay. rode with it and and to this day they're they're basically running um, um it's it's sort of it's it's self-sustaining um they managed enter it, uh, to enter uh, a few of the the coding competition so so yeah, here's a cool tidbit is uh, last year, I, I just found that out at the end of the year when I was speaking to them. Um, and for the past three years, three or four, I think three or four years, they've entered um, the national coding programming competition okay. and, and, and have won, I have either been in the top three as a team themselves or a member of our coding team has been on one of the top three winning um, teams for and the past three, and that's four how, and years. And that's how and you really measure it, right? That's how you really so, measure well, 
I'm not, I'm not well, talking not... about by awards. <laughs> I'm talking about the fact that some people still stick with it, even when they're not with the same people that they learned with. They still stick yeah, with yeah, it and yeah. go with other people to then go compete and be like, yo, hold on, this, this, I'm about this now. Right? Where yeah, before yeah, so... it was like, no, you, there's no point in teaching that kid, which is what most people would say because they don't have the resources, you know, you, you're just leading them on. But look at the difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So they, they're basically running the, the program now themselves. Um, a couple of the guys have, yeah, have, yeah, they've gone either into schooling or some not in, in, in computing, some have, um, some have started their own companies. Um, some have built apps. So it's, it's really, it's, it's that, that I think is a, is a testament in itself. Um, okay, um definitely. Um, now yeah, you see that but, uh, that speaks that speaks a lot to like your collaboration. You know what I mean? Like from from doing music with with Malkovich, just you know what I mean? Like telling a homie, "Hey man, fly, it's fine. You can fly over to my country, stay at my house, and let's do music." Mm -hmm. To working with people that sometimes you just meet in studio and then you work together for years in a group. To then creating a tech company. To then helping kids. You know what I mean? Like all of these things are based off of collaboration. It's the way that I see it. It's it wasn't just you and Mark. You know, it's you and Mark then approaching fab lab then approaching you know what i mean like it's a whole yeah, moment man. of we need other people in order for us to grow right and this brings mm. me to the, the the topic that i know most of the people are wanting to hear from you right it's cryptocurrency right yeah it's 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 so big i mean i keep hitting you up like yo how would I be able to get paid in cryptocurrency in this fucking way? And then to speak about that, you introduced me to the Brave browser, right? Started mm -hmm. reading up on the Brave browser. I'm like, hold on. There's a thing called the BAT, a basic attention token, where I can get paid for watching ads and just using this browser, doing my everyday shit. Like, I can tip people for using, like, if I, like you tweet something, right? But you're also yeah. using the Brave browser. Now, I can tip you. Yeah. I, can, I can literally tip you in what would be equivalent to, let's say, Satoshi's in Bitcoin, but in BAT, mm -hmm. that's crazy, man. Like this technology thing. Can you please explain to us, right, in the mm -hmm. simplest way possible, how blockchain interacts with cryptocurrency, interacts with us deleting this bullshit that we've been working with called, you know, these other reserves and whatever. I, I would definitely... At this point, I, I I wouldn't you know speak about blockchain as a you know, um, no, as its own thing. Mm -hmm. um, definitely the whole the the um, the whole project um, you know wouldn't be anything. Bitcoin is really the central aspect of, of everything here because all of these technologies uh, are uh, you know linked to bitcoin bitcoin is is the centerpiece um the, of, like the nucleus the, almost yeah of, of everything and, and even blockchain the term um you know wouldn't mean anything if if, if it wasn't for bitcoin um so i think the you you re, you are when thinking about it you ought to think focus your 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 thinking on bitcoin especially when you're starting out um, to, to look at all of this stuff, cryptocurrency and, and Web 3.0 and all of this stuff. I'm, I, for all of these questions, I want to keep my language as simple as possible. So stop <laughs> yeah, me if, quick, I, you do if, I, if I go. Yeah, if, I, got you. I, 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 I understand that a lot of 
you know my 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 center my central point as as um, as a strength uh, in operating currently is 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 obviously operating as a a, a Bitcoin marketplace and not as a teacher and I know. Um, you know, my teaching abilities are limited, uh, and sometimes I, I tend to speak to other people in in very computer sciencey terms, and so I want to keep that. If, if you if I start using big words, I, or I, I got you. I, I, I got really, you. I, I'm trying to. I'll, I'll try and keep it as simple as possible when I speak. Basically, about just it explain it like you so, explained it to me a year and a half so, ago, because that was simple as fuck. <laughs> Okay, so for for so Bitcoin is is a combination. So it's a, it's it's the end result of a lot of different projects that started from you know the beginning of the internet. Um, there were a lot of different projects that you know, as as we all know, everything is on the internet right now. All of our information is on the internet. You know uh, how. How we make friends is this you know there's there's some really startling data on on where how people meet on how people have met um from like the 90s till till now and from about like 2002 um the bulk of young people uh people who are you know in their 20s right now yeah. have not met you know, uh, via the, the 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 normal physical things that are like our parents and, and even my generation might have met in like sports or youth clubs or mm-hmm. or or playgrounds or what people are meeting online through MySpace, Facebook, um, all of these online platforms. Yeah. And you know, this this metric is just is, is just rising. And from you know how how we do our business, how we learn, mm-hmm. everything is is basically moving onto the internet uh, how how human how human interaction is moving one of the biggest things though that is that has been missing is is money always so not the representation of money the representation of digital money has always been on the internet as but to actually put money on the internet um so it's really difficult because everything on the internet is, you know, it's a copy. You can copy stuff, you can forward it, and and so as a big issue, if if we, if I had, um, you know, a sort of a electronic dollar, in though back in those days, if if I emailed it to Nico. Nico could just email it to somebody yeah, else, else and, yeah. <laughs> and so that that dollar is not really you know it it, it doesn't have the value because Nico could just copy it and then mm-hmm. that person could copy it so you know the value wouldn't be preserved of that because people could easily make copies copies of things gotcha. um, so the, the thing that Bitcoin solves. But, um, so all of there with a lot of different projects, eGold, Hashcash. Oh, I forgot about so eGold. Many, so many different projects during the dot-com boom. Um, so in the early 2000s, of all of these different companies, even PayPal. Um, uh, PayPal's original objective was to create uh, an internet money, a money mm-hmm. that, that, that you know, users could send to themselves and could stay... Uh, on the internet exclusively, but they also ran into this problem. How, how do you have a money that you know doesn't doesn't have a central authority, um, doesn't like like a central bank because yeah. you know you couldn't have a central bank, but 
but how the users couldn't copy then because only a central authority would then be able to verify whether the, the money was it's real correct you know a lot of these um, companies tried at this this um, this problem uh, but none of them quite quite got it so in 2008 um, when the um, when the crash uh, the, the the global recession happened uh, that yeah. big short the, yeah. movie was made about uh, for those of you who who don't and remember studied, who and been studied too in young. universities <laughs> too <laughs> yeah um so yeah around that time when that happened um, this this person group Nobody entity. really knows um, entity uh, under the mon- using the moniker Satoshi Nakamoto um, started writing uh, emailing list um, to all of these um, crypto cryptographers. So these are people who work in cryptography. Cryptography is, is basically the technology that that encrypts that has allowed for the internet that allows for you know email that allows for basically all of our all of our systems um, to work, uh, they, they work um, with, with cryptographic signatures. And um, so this this guy or this entity, this woman, who, who knows, um, started mailing this the, um, all of these different um, cryptographers about this new project, um, uh, put out a white paper uh, for this project called Bitcoin. Um, and um, a lot of people were intrigued. A lot of people weren't. A, a really interesting thing is that before he started mailing, I believe he started. He already had coded, uh, attested, a test. They it. I'll sometimes just fall back on he, but you don't have to use all of them. Already started. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so um, yeah, he he. He mailed uh, these people. People got interested, and um, then he sent out a, 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 a version one of this, you know, Bitcoin system um, uh, in 2009. No, 2000, 2009. I think it, I believe it. It went live in late 2009 and went public in early 2010. Okay. And um, yeah, so this. This project took all of these te- all of these old technologies from Hashcash, eGold, mm-hmm. all, a bunch of cryptographic technologies, and mishmashed them into a way that you can have you can make a currency that I can send to Nico, and Nico send back to me, and we can use our computers to verify its authenticity that we're sending. Only that one unit that that Nico isn't sending me a copy, copy of what it. I sent him, but that he's sending me the real thing, okay. and I can verify it with my computer. I don't need, um, you know, Nico mm-hmm. to, to 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 get um, Nikolai or, or, or Mark yeah. as a witness to that yeah. transaction. We okay. can just use both of our computers mm-hmm. to verify that this transaction. Is, you know is, is is actually real and it's happening and there's only you know one unit of what moving of this Correct. oh yeah of this currency that i'm moving so so it's really ingenious in that in the same way that 
we verify the, the the fact that our computers verify it they get paid in bitcoin for that verification uh, that's that's basically all, all right, all right. Let, me, let me pause you right there right yeah. there because that's where yeah. people are going to start getting confused and i'm glad you broke it up <laughs> like that so me sending you means okay cool i I'm, you get the money but my computer gets paid yeah. for mining it basically for verifying that transaction Exactly. That's so you've got you've, you've got people, and they can be the same people. They don't necessarily have to be the same people. It does. Mm-hmm. It can be you know Darren and Shikongo mm-hmm. are doing the verifying, and Nico and Chetheni are doing the sending. The sending. That's got you, basically got you. what what happened. But it mm-hmm. could be that Nico and Chetheni are doing the same thing. So we could be sending. Ah. We could be doing both of those same things. But necessarily, we don't have to be doing those same. That could be. totally other different people so yes the people miners what you what what are what are called bitcoin miners what they mm-hmm. actually do is verify all of these transactions that all these millions of people are doing mm-hmm. um sending okay. bitcoin okay. to each other and they're verifying these transactions making sure um using um a very hard mathematical problem <laughs> so every time a transaction gets sent it gets put in into this really really hard math- mathematical problem that you can only solve by using a lot of computing power okay and okay, gotcha. once you solve it once you and obviously if the more computing power uh, that you use as you, mm-hmm. as you can tell you're a gamer what mm-hmm. what happens to your machine it gets hotter it like- uses more energy <laughs> yeah. so that's basically using electricity uh, mm-hmm. you, you're using electricity to to put on these a lot of computers to solve this 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 mathematical problem. problem that these mm-hmm. transactions are put in and once you solve that that problem that problem then verifies that the transaction is actually real in this ledger it puts it into this global ledger it's an it's just a big accounting ledger all these transactions are in an okay. accounting ledger mm-hmm. called mm-hmm. the blockchain Um so the okay, wait, let me stop you being... there before you go on yeah, before you uh, go on all right. this is where I'm going to have to stop you at point and point just so that people can no breathe worries. and be like no all right worries. cool so now we got to so first let's want to go back to just a few steps back where you said so basically this is one point I didn't know that mm-hmm. your the miner the person sending and the person receiving can all be the same person yeah i can send myself mine what i'm sending myself oh, yes. and very you can right? mine because you can create there's nothing that stops you from having 2 3 100 bitcoin wallets exactly. and you can send yourself bitcoin you know bitcoin does not have to be owned by a person it, because it's a, it's it's a it's verifiable by by computing so you can any computable thing a can, phone a computer can own it basically but, or hold but, it but again remember it's a math problem mm, 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 so you mm. can write it down on a piece of paper It's a, very long a thing, <laughs> it's a very long thing though it's a very long thing oh yeah it's, you know you yeah it, but but like um, you know for those of you who are watching um who, who've done math uh, at at university level and uh, all of this stuff is it's really just it's all math um and you you ob- the easiest way to do it is with a computer because computers do math better and faster than us then we will but ever be able it's to. still yeah yeah but it's still a math problem so and so, so so here's my next question for you just just quickly to inter because i know people are probably wondering but then why do 
some some of these things get verified quicker than others. So the, the simplest answer is the people verifying your shit just don't have the computing power like the other people verifying the other shit. That's it. Exactly. And that's why so, it takes so longer for some... Oh, okay. So, so generally, every transaction will be confirmed or have one confirmation by a miner at least mm-hmm. by 10 minutes. It takes... 10 minutes the compute the, the the way the 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 math is set out um is that each trans transaction will take 10 minutes to get written into the blockchain okay. so regardless of how how fast your computer is it w- won't be that 10 minutes. that 10 minutes but like you said if you have more computers then you have more and more computing power you can assign more computing power mm-hmm. to to either a transaction or a bunch of transactions and either conf- you know confirm them faster than somebody who had less computing power. So, uh, interesting tip, back in the day and in, t- in 2010, 2011, you could use you could use a phone. You could use your your laptop to do you could use like a really you know, not even a, a Pentium 1 if you guys any of you remember that. That's before the, the, these Intel chips that you guys got <laughs> now. But, um, but you know, you could use a really slow computer to, to really mine, and you, you could. The earliest people, you know, were mining you know fifty mm. bitcoins a day with with a really you know entry level computer. Um, and but as more people get on the network, you have more transactions, Correct. and to keep that amount flat, because you need everybody needs to have consensus about everybody needs to agree. Mm. what's on the blockchain mm. so so everybody needs to adhere to that 10 minute clock gotcha. so around the world so you know you can't have somebody doing it at seven and a six minute because then you have the, you don't have consensus not everybody's looking at the system, system. at the same time to so force you. everybody to, to look at the system at the same time we, you have these blocks that get mi- mined or 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 written into mm. the, the ledger mm-hmm. every 10 minutes so that Every 10 minutes by the time everybody's clock is up, you can't put any more computing power towards this transaction. If you've solved it, you solved it. You know, if you haven't, you haven't. So it's, it's really a, a game of luck. You know, the, <laughs> the person... Luck, you know, resources, who, everything together, timing, yeah. all of it. It's like life. Game, game, you're gaming, yeah, you're basically gaming and, and the person who games the system the best gets the most Bitcoin. And yeah, it's, it's just like... Just, just like life, exactly. It's, it's a, you know, now, it's a random. Now I have a, I have a, a little question. So when you talk, so let's say I send you some amount of Bitcoin, right? There's, yes. there's a transaction fee that goes there. Is that yeah. transaction fee what gets paid to the miners? Yes, that's okay. what you pay them. That's what you pay the miners or you know the verifiers mm-hmm. to to try to to verify that your transaction is actually going because. And them verifying means that, you know, it's gotten to Nico. Before they verify it, it hasn't gotten to Nico. Somebody needs to verify it. it. And to verify them, they, so we we pay them a sort of a small fee to verify Mm -hmm. it. And, but they get paid by the network. Um, So, so there's two, two ways a miner gets paid by that, the fee. And if you're lucky enough to solve so there's a oh how do I explain that again I don't want to <laughs> uh, uh, the easiest 
language is basically there's a transaction that if you're lucky enough to find this transaction it's called it's called a coinbase transaction you get paid and that that coinbase transaction holds at, you know at the beginning it used to hold 50 bitcoins um, then then every every yeah that every every there's there's an event called the halving um, the more computers there there are the more computing power there is on the network mm-hmm. it basically halves the amount of bitcoin that gets rewarded in this coinbase transaction okay this coinbase transaction is how bitcoin actually comes into the market okay so so, so bitcoin oh, okay grows itself by verifying itself there's mm-hmm. no there's nobody issuing the, the the Bitcoin but itself Bitcoin so the, the math if you if you solve this this math problem if you you you've got a bunch of computers that that are already you know verifying transactions anyway if you're lucky enough you'll verify this transaction and it'll pay you in Bitcoin so Yo, you'll find crazy. that transaction and then you'll get 50 Bitcoin <laughs> And that Bitcoin, you'll sell into that open market, which people are going to buy. Again, you know, and that's to how it gets to half. each other. Okay. Yeah, and then you still get paid as a miner. You can still get paid, you so, know, the fees. Wait, people that's, sending that's a them. perpetual payment then. I could just, yo, this sounds Basically, like a game I should be playing. <laughs> yeah, if, if you, if you, so so there's, there are these companies, you know, Bitmain, uh, um, a lot of, lot of different companies around the world whose, whose main you know, main uh, object, uh, core object is to, to basically buy a bunch of um, powerful computers made for Bitcoin mining, and they put them in, in warehouses. They've got them in, in you know, as, as wherever wherever there's cheap, free power. So you'll find them around a lot of um, renewable places that because uh, renewables have, have got a, a lot of problems with, with excess power. That doesn't get used that doesn't get fed into mm. the grid so bitcoin searches for the lowest power and so excess excess gas uh, flares from 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 gas wells um in in antarctica in in uh, geothermal there there's geothermal mining in iceland and and, and, and no, some nordic countries there's uh, a lot of uh, mining in china by the hydroelectric dams um, that that produce excess electricity that doesn't get used up by the city because it's excess electricity. Yes. So a lot of companies set up their miners there and they use this excess electricity to mine, to basically verify all of your transactions that people are sending around each other in the world. In the world. And, you know, they they not only are they verifying these transactions, they're also verifying that Coinbase transaction, getting... You know, creating the Bitcoin and feeding that Bitcoin back into, you know, into the market, um, and so 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 there's there's different aspects in Bitcoin. There's you know there, there's the users, there's the miners, then there's also there's a, another aspect of people. So you can have the ledger, the the blockchain ledger is 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 can be kept by anybody in the world, anyone in the world. As long as you have a hard drive, um, right now between a 500 gig and a one terabyte hard drive, you can download a copy of the blockchain, which includes every single transaction that's that's happened since the beginning when this Bitcoin system has come online, 
and you basically you basically are then have a you verify if you have a copy of that that, that mm-hmm. blockchain that means you're a bank yeah because that's what you I'm, that's can what verify I'm your transactions because that's what you know that's what banks do you you, mm. you give your money to a bank to for for it to be a central place that verifies your value mm. and and says you know okay i can store this thing here and i can verify that this is actually come from 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 this person and is in this ledger and but bitcoin is is a thousand 10,000 a million times more a, that's a shitload of transactions though than a bank yes it's a it's about 300 currently it's about 370 gigabytes worth of transactions but but then again look this the system has been running 24/7 365 for 10 11 12 going to 12 years now it's, it's there's no banking system there's mm-hmm. there's nothing that is banks banks even can't verify up to the level that bit, the bitcoin network can you can't verify transactions banks still lose transactions Dude, i worked banks in a bank still... and had to do those verifications i know how slow <laughs> that fucking system works it's crazy no, therefore exactly DNA, like no nah, even in the 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 the, the international swift the iban system all of these systems there's still money that regularly disappears and the bank can't tell you will take weeks months trying to track that money down with bitcoin you you're not trusting a person you're not trusting anybody's you're trusting machines that verify in a math a mathematical problem every 10 minutes since the beginning of this since 2010 when this system came online for the public you can count these these transactions back nobody can fake these transactions nobody can hack this it's you can't you know there's there, there are you know different edge cases but we will not get into those they, <laughs> that's going to really confuse me point. too and everybody yeah, else they, yeah they don't they don't really matter but really it's the, the kind of the level of uh um surety of trust and that's the thing in, in bitcoin you have we have the saying or you have the saying in the bitcoin community don't trust verify you can verify you yourself with your computer can download the blockchain and verify every single and the most important thing verify your own transactions when you're sending money i don't have to trust the third party I just trust I have my Bitcoin and wallet and my blockchain and if I'm a miner yeah, yeah. if I'm a miner there's a caveat to that because as 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 I've told you um back in the day it, it could have been with yeah. smooth the small computers now there are people uh, you know the, the computers needed um to, to for you to have that the, the kind of computing power to to to, to solve a transaction You need something right now, yeah. Because I mean, as technology <laughs> so, moves, it would have also, of course, so that it cannot be yes. hacked. Right? So I fully understand. Exactly. My question to you exactly. is: Why are governments, right, not pushing the excess? Like, like we just said. I mean, there's a even in Namibia, we got solar farms that are up here. Why are we not busy using farming technology instead of? Because I know the people that are selling these things back to government, are, they definitely have. They're, they're mining Bitcoin. It's not like there aren't people mining Bitcoin in Namibia. Why are governments not doing it? Some, 
there are some governments that are doing it, namely Venezuela, Iran, mm-hmm. um, are are um, uh, really pioneers um, in 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 spearheading um, um, government-run Bitcoin mining um, uh, assistance. So now, uh, there in 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 I know there's a bill in the Ukraine Parliament currently sitting um, to do Bitcoin mining with excess nuclear power. Um, I know the Russians have also. I'm pretty sure the Russians have been doing it yeah. um, behind <laughs> the scenes. Tell anybody. Um, not, not. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of governments have been doing it behind the scenes uh, and not, not out in the open. I don't think at this point um, there's anybody who seriously doubts um, that Bitcoin is not going to become some sort of uh, global form of monetary settlement. Um, so the issue right now, the reason why we need Bitcoin, let's go back go. to why this guy did this thing in 2008. So the very basic way to explain it, the really, really, really basic way, there's a lot of caveat and I'm really boiling things down here. But the really basic way to explain it is that our money is not worth anything. Except for government coercion. The only reason money is worth anything is because governments coerce people to use their money. If you do not use their money in their economies, you go to jail. That's the only reason that we use government money. It is not backed by gold. Don't let, don't, I thought so also, but it's not. There's been no money that has been backed by gold since 2001. The last money that was purely backed by gold was the Switzerland, uh, the Swiss currency, which depegged itself of gold in, in 2001. That was the last currency in the world that was backed by any metal or economic value. Currently, money, fiat money, government central bank issued money is backed by the military force and the legal ramifications of you transacting in anything else when you're within that economy. That's the only reason. That is why there are 11 aircraft carriers around the world enforcing US monetary policy. That is what it's doing. Now, why do we have this situation? We have this situation because nobody is denominating in any hard value anymore. So you can't trust, governments can't trust each other. China, for instance, can't trust the US to be um, honest about its monetary value because what happened when there's economic problems, the central bank, what does it do? It prints more money. When it prints more money, what it does is it automatically dilutes the value of every single asset that is denominated in that money. So whatever you have worth in that money automatically gets less because there's more money now yeah. that gets printed by the central bank. So I can't trust, if I'm a Chinese trade official, how am I going to trust You know that you're going to keep your trade uh, levels at the same when I can't trust what your central bank is bank doing. Is doing yeah, yeah. So I'll issue my own money 
and I will tell, okay, if you want to buy products from me, you're going to use my money. Mm-hmm. You're not going to mm-hmm. use that money because I, I can't trust the value that's going in that money or what. So I, I can't have, you know, sovereignty. I can't have freedom Correct. to use that other, unless I, I have, if I mm-hmm. print my own money and start, printing and, and devaluing. <laughs> so basically every game. single government is playing the same game. There, so there's there's um, graphs on graphs on graphs that you can look at um, of how much what you could buy even 25 years back with one dollar mm-hmm. and what you can buy now and it's not more. And you can include, you know, the cost of computing going down and that TVs are cheaper. No, a dollar and 75 could still afford you way more meaningfully in value than a dollar can right now. And this is purely pure. The only reason this is so is because central banks print more money every year. When you hear the repo rate, and blah, 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 blah. It's, it's, it's fancy talk. It's basically fancy talk for central banks saying we're going to print more money <laughs> and we're going to make your money less <laughs> worth less, less valuable. <laughs> so at a point, everybody was realizing this. And in 2008, there, you know, there, was, there was so much m- money that, that really... I, so you have th- this situation... Where, where you print money, where you basically give banks. So, so central banks, they give these, they give banks these promissory notes that say, okay, we're going to allow you, central banks, they print the cash. But obviously, you know, when you're going to rent a house or when you're going to do business um, uh, with something, you're not going to do it with cash. Mm-hmm. You're going to do it with on the book bank on money. On the bank, yeah. Which the bank gets permission from the central bank to basically make out of thin air. Okay, they make, mm-hmm. they they put a bunch of zeros in the computer, and there they've got ten million dollars because of the promissory. You know, Bank of Namibia gave them permission to basically print this money out of thin air. Got you. So obviously, if you're an unscrupulous bank, and this is what the move the movie The Big Short was, you're an mm-hmm. unscrupulous bank where you've you've got you've got the power to to basically create assets. You're you're gonna create all kinds of assets if you know if i mean you just find somebody oh yeah you have to so that's why you had you know those crazy kinds of assets you had assets that were literally junk that didn't make that were made out of people's debt yeah you know with debt that wasn't even going to get paid back but yet this debt had had value it makes no even before even getting to selling these these things that were being sold in that in that big short movie how did how did we how did they even get to the situation where debt has value that you could that you could sell and it's it's a crazy and, and you know regardless of of you know, economists are gonna the basic <laughs> at the end of the day the thing don't make no sense it doesn't really make it doesn't really make real sense at the end of the day yeah. um but but you know, in a crazy world like this, where you've got you know what, 186 countries, all with their different currencies, fiat currencies that are all printing at at different levels, 
You know, mm -hmm. nobody's printing at the same time. They're all printing their own thing at different levels. You, nobody can verify how much they, so one central bank can say, hey, I've actually got, so, oh man. <laughs> if you guys think Bitcoin is, is hard to understand, the way that central banks print our money, so the fractional reserve system is a million times. <laughs> it, is, it is absolutely crazy. If you it's take magic. the time, to look into how these things are. It is absolutely, it's insane how how these things are. It, it makes, so, so anyway, <laughs> these, so the reason why we're in this situation, nobody can trust each other. Nobody, you can, there, there wasn't, we haven't had a, 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 a single standard money, a gold standard. The, the gold standard disappeared in 1971. Um, uh, the you uh, who I think it was Nixon, who 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 revoked it. The base currency, the U.S. Um, dollar. Uh, yeah, yeah, he debased the basically just got it off the, the gold standard. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there, there was a whole a whole bunch of things happening in the in the international gold market back then. Uh, but basically, that's when all most governments decided, okay, we're going to depeg our monies from the actual value. value of gold, so, yeah. um, and that, that was sometimes called M one money. So. Um, uh, the the value of gold, they they didn't base it on how much gold they actually had in their central banks or in their vaults. They now just you know, just say some, it. Just we got this now. Some, now, so so basically uh, what you're saying to banking me, reserve. What, so yeah yeah. So basically what you no sorry I interrupted. Please please continue. Oh yeah no no so yeah basically that, that's what's that in, in two thousand two thousand eight was the culmination of having all of these different fiat money so so this spurned the forex market the forex market which is worth something like uh i believe uh, like uh, 1.5 trillion us dollars a day and in total value outdoes if you added gdp so the, the amount the, the things that that we actually uh, uh calculate people living in yeah, the yeah. actual people uh, that are in countries if you took gdp all of the countries and you put that together and you put that next to how much money is in forex, just simply money that's, that's going around the around, traders yeah. trading up, it, it outdoes it to a fact. I, I I I forget what the exact factor is, but it's it's there is more money floating around and people just trading in forex more than more than five times the money than there is money that people actually need to live that people are actually trading in with that. that you're, <laughs> projects and infrastructure is actually worth in this this forex thing is is just it's it's like a cancer it's what happened you know the the the, the tumor was that governments just said hey let's just all create magic money that doesn't mean anything paper money that that we're 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 just going to issue with our fancy math and we're, nobody's going to agree on this math. Everybody, every country is going to have a slightly different math. And then we're going to, you know, we're going to say this money is actually worth this. So think about it. When a central a bank hassle. says, when a central bank says, okay, we're going to make your money, you know, we're going to put more money into circulation at the end of this year because this and this and this and that. What they're essentially saying is that they've got some sort of crystal ball and they can tell that Nico's children are going to become entrepreneurs who are going to add this much 
to the economy. And we, we, with our crystal ball math, we're going to have the right numbers to actually, you know, add the, the but, but they never do. Mm. Every single <laughs> so, so basically they're promising to do the time value of money in reverse and never deliver. They like, never it never delivers. What central banking? They're more than an ill-conceived fantasy. You see, I constantly think about one, yet seem to dream about another, making it almost impossible to visualize myself being.